0: Hey everyone, uh, my name is Pastor Jean-Michel and I'm just so grateful that you are here with us. Thank you for watching this message and uh, choosing to be with our church this Sunday. And I'm excited, I wanna set up this message today. All around the world, young people are just fleeing from churches. It's, it's, it's a phenomenon that's, that we can see in every country that has a major Christian population. Young people just are not interested in going to church. They reach a certain age and they leave. And the reason for that is that the generation just can't handle fakeness, can't handle things that are fake. They want authenticity, they desire, they crave authenticity. We're hungry for reality and we can't stand fake. We see through the fake facade of religion. And you know what, that pushes people away from God. And that's what's happening all around the world. It's not just young people. All around the world, people are no longer satisfied with the fake facade of religion. You know, where we, we have to go to a certain place on a certain day um, in a certain way, dressed a certain way in order to encounter God. That's just not the way things are. It's not the way God is. We're not interested in it anymore. People are not interested in it anymore. You know, what? God has never been interested in it. You know, religion worms its way into every church and every nation. We need to recognize it and we need to get it out. It's got to go. Religion has got to go. Did you know that Jesus hated religion? He felt it in the hearts of the people of his time and he challenged it every time He encountered it every single time. You know, and that sounds great. You know, Jesus stripping away the religious facade of those Pharisees and the Sadducees and the scribes who thought that they were better than everyone because of their religious standing. But you know what? When Jesus did it, people did not like it. They didn't like it at all. The people that he encountered, not just the Pharisees, but people in general, when they saw it, They didn't like it. In fact, they hated it and they didn't like him. They hated him for it. You know what? He challenged the things that they held sacred. He challenges the things that you think are sacred. And when he does it, people can't take it. People can't stand it. Every time he did it, people had to stop and ask themselves the question, wait. What did Jesus just say every time? People had to take that moment. They listened to what he had to say. And they had to stop and say, what What did he just say? Can he say that? Can can Jesus say that? Is Is it okay for him to say that? They didn't understand. And at the very worst, they were offended by it and plotted to destroy him because of it. You know, Jesus had a reason why he challenged religion, why he challenged the sacred views people held about God and about the way to God. You see, he wanted to show us the truth of God's own heart. You can't find that in religion. You can't find it in rules and regulations and trying to fulfill all the things that we need to fulfill in order to reach God. You can't find his heart there. You find it somewhere else you see Jesus will violate your religious ideas and your religious values to show you that God's love is greater than any system of law any system that man creates his love is greater than anything we could ever imagine and so he violates even the things that we hold closest to us in order to show that to us That's his reason. And so today we are starting a new series, a new four-part series called Wait, What? Yeah. And we'll be exploring four times in Jesus' early ministry when he did something, said something, when he was setting up his early ministry where people had to stop and ask themselves, Why is Jesus saying what he's saying? Is it okay for Jesus to say what he's saying? We're going to explore four times that Jesus blew our religious minds and the the religious mindset of the people who he encountered, and uh, we're going to explore why he did that. And so we're gonna be going from the book of Mark. So if you've got your Bibles with you, why don't you turn to the book of Mark, chapter two. This book was written by a man called John Mark. That's why it's the book of Mark. And he was a close disciple of Peter and a companion of Paul. You know, he wasn't actually uh, one of the original apostles chosen by Jesus, but he ministered with those original apostles after the birth of the early church. And you know what? This book is actually the first time the church put together, wrote down the story of the life of Jesus. It's the oldest book of the New Testament. It was written roughly 30 to 40 years after Jesus' resurrection. And so the church had been going for a couple of decades and they decided, you know what, we actually need to write down what we believe. There's a, this message is spreading, you know, God's anointing it, He's empowering it, it's going all over the place but we need a bit of consensus now. And so they decided, you know what, let's write down the story of who Jesus was, what He did, and why we follow Him. And so if you wanna know what the people um, really believed, as early as possible, as close to Jesus as possible, Read the book of Mark. You know, interestingly enough, the book of Matthew, even though the book of Matthew is the first book of the New Testament, it's not the oldest one. The oldest one is Mark. And the book of Matthew and Luke both draw from the book of Mark. In fact, sometimes they even quote it. And so that's why I just love understanding these things. I love to to dig into it. And so if we want to know what the first things really that people thought about Jesus were, we look at this book, the book of Mark. And so we're going as early as we can to try and see what Jesus was really like and how he set up his ministry. We're exploring these four pieces, these four situations in Jesus' early ministry, where people didn't really know who he was, when he was setting up his ministry to understand what Jesus was really about. So let's turn to Mark chapter two. Several days later, Jesus returned to Capernaum and the news spread quickly that he was back in town. Soon there were so many people crowded around and inside the house to hear him that there was no more room. You may have heard this story before. Even outside the door. While Jesus was preaching the word of God, four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man. But when they realized that they couldn't even get near him because of the crowd, they went up on top of the house and tore away the roof above Jesus' head. And when they had broken through, they lowered the paralyzed man on a stretcher right down in front of him. And when Jesus saw the extent of their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, my son, your sins are now forgiven. Let's take a break there for a second. It's kind of a weird thing for Jesus to say. It doesn't make any sense. Uh, This man, you can imagine the situation. Jesus is not yet fully famous And so before the thousands are coming, he's got the tens, the twenties, the hundreds that are coming and they come and they crowd the house. And in this moment where Jesus is crowded by people, this man is lowered and instead of saying to him, I will heal you, he says, your sins are now forgiven. Let's carry on reading. Verse six, this offended some of the religious scholars Who were present and they reasoned among themselves, who does he think he is to speak this way? His blasphemy for sure. God himself only can forgive sins. Jesus supernaturally perceived their thoughts and said to them, why are you so skeptical? Which is easier to say to the paralyzed man, your sins are now forgiven or stand up and walk. But to convince you that the son of man has been given authority to forgive sins, I say to this man, stand up, pick up your stretcher and walk home. Immediately the man sprang up to his feet in front of everyone and left for home. When the crowds witnessed this miracle, they were awestruck and they shouted praises to God and said, we've never seen anything like this before. And that's the title of our message today. We've never seen anything like this before. Have you ever experienced something so profound, so crazy, something that blew your mind that you couldn't even put it into words? This is how these people felt at this point in time. I've never experienced anything like this before. And you see, Jesus was, in his early ministry, he was getting famous, but he wasn't yet famous. And people were trying to figure out what they thought about this guy. He was doing things and he was impressing people and he was creating waves, but people were still trying to understand what they really thought about Jesus. And so in this moment, before the thousands come, he decides to blow up their religious minds and he does something that doesn't make sense to anyone. But what did he say that was so crazy? If they're saying in this moment that he's offending them, that he's blaspheming, what about it was so crazy? Check this out. At the time, there was a religious view held that if you had sickness in your body, if if you were detrimentally sick, It was because of sin in your life, perhaps in the generations before you. And it was a consequence of that sin that you were sick. We see that in the book of Job, where the advisors come to Job, and while he's struggling with all these crazy things that are happening to him, those guys tell him, you must have sin in your life for God to be judging you this way. We know from that story that it wasn't true. Job was a righteous man. He had no sin to speak of that would, would result in this kind of judgment. And so this view is carried on throughout, from that time all the way through the Jewish nation and at this point in time in Jesus' life, they still think this way. So here's the idea If you want to be healed, you first have to rid yourself of that sin before you can be healed. And so check this out. Religion says to you, and it says to me, if you have sin, you can't be healed. If you're not right, you can't receive what God has for you. But Jesus says, come on, despite your sin, I will heal. Despite your brokenness, I will bring breakthrough to you. Despite your failures, despite your issues, I will bring life to you. And so when religion says you're not good enough, when religion says you can't, you can't, Jesus says, I will come to you and I will heal you, I will touch you, I will change your life. You see, the moment that he said he can forgive sins, he offended everyone in the room. You see, people didn't understand that Jesus was God. They were still trying to figure this guy out. To him, he was just a human. You and I understand that in that moment, Jesus was fully human, but he was also fully God. And he had the right, the authority to forgive sins, to forgive you and me and to forgive that man of his sins. But no one else knew that. And so as soon as he said that word, it, it exploded inside of especially the scribes, the religious leaders of the time. They, they just said to each other, this can't be. He cannot say this. It's not right for this man to say these things. He is just a man. So let me ask you the question, why did Jesus say it that way? If he knew that they were going to react that way, why did he say it? I mean, isn't Jesus at this point in time trying to gain ground? Isn't he trying to get people to follow him so his message can go out to people? Of course he is, but he needed to set up something that was gonna change everyone's life. You see, it wasn't just for these people right here. What Jesus was saying here is something you and I need to understand today for our faith. And so instead of just saying what was easy, instead of just saying what people wanted him to say or what they could accept, Jesus says the thing that they cannot accept, but it's still the truth. He's showing God's heart in this moment. You see, Jesus doesn't say to the paralyzed man, you go and rid yourself of sin and get yourself on the right track, then I'll heal you. He says to him, I forgive you. And he says to these scribes, what's easier to say? What's an easier thing to say? That your sins are now forgiven you or rise up and walk? It's not harder to say either. In this moment, what is Jesus doing? Jesus is equating his supernatural power to forgive your sins, to heal you, to bring breakthrough into your life, and he's teaching us something right here. That yeah, it's true, this belief you've held is real. That if there's sin, there can be consequences. If there is brokenness, consequences follow when your religion says that those consequences are binding, my life says that I will heal you because I will forgive you first. You know, there's something that we skip over as we're reading this story that is profound. It is so profound and it's found in verse 10. I'm gonna read it for you. From verse nine, it says, which is easier to say to the paralyzed man, your sins are now forgiven or stand up and walk? But to convince you that the son of man has been given authority to forgive sins, I say to this man, stand up, pick up your stretcher and walk home. You see, when Jesus declares to the paralyzed man, your sins are now forgiven you, he doesn't stand up because he doesn't realize what Jesus is doing. It's foreign to him. It doesn't make any sense. No one has ever said that before. No man can say that. So no one has ever said it before. So he doesn't realize the profoundness of what Jesus has just done for him. But what Jesus is saying when he perceives in the scribes that they are are saying he's blaspheming, he reveals the reason as to why he's done what he's done, to convince the paralyzed man, that he has the power to do what he said. And so in that moment, when he looks down at that paralyzed man and says to him, rise up and walk home, he realizes that his sins are forgiven him. The things that were a burden on his shoulders, they are now gone. They've been removed by the one who can remove them. And now he stands up, And he walks home. And in that moment, everyone's minds are blown. They can't understand what's going on. They have no no religious terms for what has just happened. They remember the stories of miracles that God has done, but they have no idea how this could be happening in front of their eyes. And so Jesus is saying to this paralyzed man, and he's saying to you and me, I want to convince you. I want you to know. I want you to know inside your bones that I can forgive your sins, that I can restore you to life, that I can bring the power of darkness fully out of you and place inside you the kingdom of life, the kingdom of light. Jesus wants you to know that despite what religion says, despite that religion tells you that when you have done wrong, wrong is, is headed towards you, Jesus steps in the middle of that and he says, despite what's wrong, despite the brokenness, despite the failure, I will bring life to you, I will change your life and I will bring the best for my children because I have the power to do just that. You know that, It wasn't enough for Jesus just to heal him. It wasn't enough for Jesus just to perform the miracle. He wanted everyone to know something. He wanted to convince us that our sin will never be big enough to stop him meeting you where you need It will never it's not big enough and there is no space in our religious minds to receive this it was true then and it's true now there's no space there's no words to describe what's going on here because the reality is that's how the world works when things are when you have wrong in your life wrong is coming towards you just like in the book of Job when the advisors and the friends came to him to tell him all of his problems he just said back to them, there is no sin there's no answer to this it doesn't make sense to me and that's the reality of life sometimes things don't make sense, sometimes things happen that we don't have a good reason as to why they're happening. There's no space in our religious mind to understand this concept that Jesus forgives us, that Jesus forgives you, that Jesus' life is yours despite who you are and despite what you're going through. And so we have to release the religion in order to understand the Jesus to understand him we have to let go of our religious mindset and let him speak truth to us you see God is not just trying to offend us he's trying to show us his heart that he cares more about people than he cares about religion that when religion says you can't have Jesus says I've already given to you when religion says you can't have finance when you religion says you can't have healing Jesus says I've already given you healing I've already given you finance I've already given you what you need because I have the authority to do so because I paid the price for it on the cross see Jesus knew all along that he was going to go to a cross that he was going to bear the brunt of every person's sin in order to create a new covenant and inside of that new covenant you and I stand righteous before God you and I stand rightly before God and in that Space where we do not hide ourselves, where where we do not cower in religion to say I am not good enough for God. We stand up and we say, Lord, you have made me good enough. And in that space, God comes in and He changes us. He changes our circumstances. You know, if you are struggling with sin in your life and you've been trying to get it out, you've been trying to get past this. You you are sorrowful for your sin. You want to repent. You want to move on with your life and you want to get it out, but you just can't. It's staying with you. I'm telling you that it's not time for you to change yourself. It's time for you to stand up in the things that God has called you to, He's, to stand in the way that he has anointed you to be the authority, the person, the son, and the child of God that you are, and receive his forgiveness. In that moment, he will begin to change you from the inside out. Your freedom is there. You see, if you are struggling today with sickness in your body that won't go away, you need to understand this concept that healing comes after forgiveness comes. If you feel like you can't be forgiven, you won't find your breakthrough. Church, are you listening to me for a second? Your breakthrough is waiting for you to realize that there is nothing that can stop God's breakthrough coming into your life. But first, you need to know, you need to be convinced that you are forgiven and then your breakthrough will come. See, religion says that your breakthrough cannot come until you are forgiven. And if that's the way that you feel, if you feel like you need to get yourself right before your breakthrough can come, your breakthrough is never gonna come. Why? Because you're never gonna fully get yourself right before God, no man can. We are powerless to make ourselves perfectly and fully right before God, and so you need to know something. Jesus comes in and he just turns the whole place upside down by declaring in that moment that I will forgive you so that the fullness of my life can come into you. And so today, if you're asking the question, why do I not receive my breakthrough? You need to learn something new today. You need to know that no matter what is wrong in your life, God will move past the the problem to get to the person. I'm not sure if you heard me, but Jesus will come in and violate your religious ideas, the things you hold sacred, the things you build your whole religious philosophy on. He will violate them in order to get to the person behind the problem and we're going to explore this idea in the coming weeks there's so much more to talk about but we got a foundation on this idea we got to start right here that Jesus will go past any religious idea that you hold to get to the person because Jesus heart God's heart is for people he cares about you he cares about people he doesn't care about religion he's not interested in it he never created it He never wanted us to live that way. He cares about people. See, religion sees a problem. Jesus sees a person. We in the church sometimes we just see problems in people. We need a whole lot more of that in our church, in the global church. Sometimes all we see is problems everywhere. We see sin everywhere. We see brokenness everywhere and it's true. There's sin and there's brokenness everywhere. But it's not for us to see the problem, it's for us to see the person behind the problem. And when you see the person, you can go past the problem to bring the life that that person needs in that moment, which is the only thing that can get rid of the problem. And in your life today, it's the same. Whatever you might be struggling with today, I wanna pray with you. Whatever you're struggling with today, I wanna stand with you. But I need you to know something. You need to dwell on this idea. You need to receive this idea into your spirit that you are not a problem, you are a person. And that no matter what the problem is, no matter what the sin is, no matter what the brokenness might be, Jesus wants to encounter you and come into you. He will forgive you, he will empower you and he will bring the breakthrough that you need because Jesus is not about Religion, he's about people. And so whatever you're struggling with today, it might be sickness, it might be sin, or lack in any way, you need to understand that nothing can separate you from the love of Jesus. And even when religion says you are untouchable, even when you say, when you believe that you are untouchable, Jesus will violate that religious idea and get to you, to bring life to you. And so I wanna pray with you today. If you are struggling with sickness and it won't go away, if you're struggling with, with sin in your life and it just won't bow its knee to God, it won't bow its knee in your life, if you're struggling with pride, if you're struggling with character flaws, if you're struggling with any area in your life today, I'm here to tell you that religion has held you bound, but today Jesus will set you free. Because he has the authority to do it. It's not me that has the authority. It's Jesus that has the authority. He said it to that paralyzed man and he's saying it to you today. And so let's pray together. Whatever you're struggling with, you need to know Jesus forgives you first and then your breakthrough comes. Receive his forgiveness today. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I pray for every person that's watching this, that's listening to this today, that has been so convinced over the years that they are not good enough for you, that their issues are as a result of their sin and because they haven't gotten rid of their sin, that now they are stuck with these issues. Today, I pray, Father, you deal with the issues, the problems, the sickness, the lack, and you deal with the sin. In Jesus' name, you are bringing us freedom. You're bringing us life, Father God. No longer will we be bound to sickness. No longer will we be bound to depression, to sin, to brokenness in any way, Father God. We are not bound to it because you forgive us first and then the breakthrough comes in Jesus' name. And if you are watching this today and you've never given your heart to God, you've never even received Um, that understanding, that forgiveness, you've never come into relationship with Jesus. And today you say that you want to become a Jesus follower. And today I want to give you an opportunity to do just that. And guess what? It's a simple prayer that you need to pray. It's something that you're going to say to God. And in that moment, he's going to come into your life and he's going to turn things upside down and he's going to move you. To life. And so if that's you today and you want to give your heart to God, you want to have that gift that Jesus bought on that cross, you want to have freedom from sin, you want to move into the things of God, then pray this prayer with me. You're going to become a Jesus follower today and we're going to walk a journey today. Pray this after me. Lord Jesus, thank you for going to a cross, for dying for my sin, and for rising again from the dead to overcome the grave and the power of sin. Today, I believe that you are God and that I am your child. I give my heart to you. I place my life in your hands. Be my Lord, be my savior, and be my friend. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, that's the best choice, the best decision you could ever make. And today, you are now a child of God. Walk this journey out with Him. Understand that your sins are forgiven. Whatever you've done, whatever things that everyone has told you makes you not good enough for God anymore, those are gone. Those are dealt with by Jesus on the cross. It's the power of the new covenants, the power of what Jesus bought for us. Receive it today and walk in it as a child of God. In Jesus' name, amen.